Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also, please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins, at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast. It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. The Grim Tale of Grace Macabre, Chapter 7 Grace walked back into the lunchroom only slightly calmer than when she had left to clean herself up. She spotted Officer Jenkins speaking to another student and taking notes. He glanced over his shoulder and motioned for her to sit at one of the lunch tables. Grace took a seat and began absentmindedly fidgeting as she waited for Jenkins to finish with his interview. After a couple of minutes, she heard a commotion near the fire exit and looked up to see her Uncle Jim trying to convince one of the officers to let him enter the lunchroom. While the exchange was polite, Uncle Jim had a set look on his face that told the officer that he would not be stopped in giving comfort to his niece. After a tense moment, the officer turned and called out to Grace. Do you know this man? Tears stung her eyes and she nodded. She tried to speak, to tell the officer that she knew him, but soul-shaking sobs beat back her efforts to do so. It was clear to the officer that Jim posed no threat to Grace or anyone else and let him pass. As Jim approached, she pushed herself up from the table. It took the last bit of her energy, and Jim got to her just in time to catch her as she collapsed. A few minutes later, Grace awoke to see that she was lying on the floor, Jim's jacket under her head as a pillow. A paramedic, a petite woman with a nose ring and short, spiky hair dyed a shocking red, was hovering over her. Her uncle stood a few feet away, speaking with Officer Jenkins. How do you feel? the punk paramedic asked. Though disoriented, Grace caught the woman's name from a badge pinned to her shirt. Her name was Sheena, and Grace felt a smile play across her face as she remembered an old song from the Ramones. 
The line in the song declared that Sheena is a punk rocker. I'll take that smile as a good sign, Sheena said. You passed out a few moments ago. We laid you on the floor so I could check you out. I think you're suffering from shock, but you're going to be okay. The disorientation will pass in a few minutes. With Sheena's help, Grace pushed herself up into a sitting position. She looked down at her left arm and noticed a band-aid was affixed to her shoulder. After I realized there was nothing physically wrong with you, Sheena explained, I gave you a shot of something to calm you down. You should begin to feel less anxious in a few minutes. Grace nodded her understanding and looked up to see her uncle walking toward her. Jim Keene was a man of average height and build, but carried himself with confidence that made him seem somehow bigger. He had a way of making everyone around him feel safe and secure. She could see the deep concern in his eyes, but as usual, he used his wide smile to diffuse the tension of the situation. It's been a long time since I had anyone swoon into my arms, he said. Why couldn't it have been Scarlett Johansson instead of my niece? Grace smiled in return and caught a look of appreciation for her uncle's concern from Sheena, who excused herself and wandered over to a young freshman who was standing in a corner hugging herself and shivering. Your mother is on her way, Jim said. She's worried to death, and I didn't want her driving, so I sent your Aunt Jessica over to get her. He helped Grace get to her feet and wrapped her in a hug that brought her instant calm. She felt safe for the first time since the horrific ordeal began. Thank you, Uncle Jim. How did you get here so fast? Jim helped her take a seat, then took one beside her. I was out running errands, he explained and I just happened to be driving toward the school when a line of police cars blew past me, headed this way. I feared the worst and followed. Grace stared at her feet, but what she saw was the past. She saw Justin standing on the table, his face contorting between rage and fear and angst. She saw the fatalistic looks on the faces of the other kids as they watched the drama unfold. She saw Ian get knocked down when the bullet slammed into his chest. She began to cry. It was awful, she whispered. Just awful. Jim didn't say anything. He knew there was nothing he could say to alleviate her pain or stop her from reliving that horrific moment. He sat quietly with his arm around her. After a while, she was able to regain control of herself. Officer Jenkins had been standing a few feet away, allowing Jim to ground her with his support. He now grabbed a chair and pulled it over in front of her. He took out his notebook, flipped it open to a clean page, and gave her an expectant look. I need to take your statement now while the events are still fresh on your mind, he said. Okay, Grace said as she wiped the tears from her eyes with a tissue Jim had given her. I'm ready, 
Officer Jenkins took multiple pages of notes as he listened to Grace's retelling of the incident, occasionally asking a few questions for clarification. She stopped her narrative at the point where Ari tackled Justin to the ground. She wasn't going to tell the officer this part of the story and knew that it would be a lie of omission. She felt ashamed, yet also excited. If he doesn't ask, it's not a real lie, she told herself. Jenkins read over his notes, considering his next question. After a moment, he looked up and asked, How did the shooter, this Justin kid, end up on the floor with his hands tied together with a woman's scarf? No one seems to have seen or recorded how that happened. Grace wiped her eyes with the tissue, buying herself some time to consider her contrasting emotions. The shame stood firm in her heart, demanding that she not allow this seemingly innocent fib of omission to metamorphose into a gnarled and repulsive lie of direct intent to deceive. On the other hand, the feeling of excitement was positively delicious to her. She conjured up the image of Ari tackling Justin and saving her from certain death. Then, how good he looked when he leaned close and asked her not to tell the police what he had done. He was a man wrapped in mystery in a black leather jacket. These thoughts brought her excitement into focus and gave it definition. She was crazy in love with Ari, and now that he had saved her life, she would do anything he asked. Anything. Besides, what did it matter how Justin got tied up? And the fact that she and Ari now shared a secret together was intoxicating. Miss Macabre, Officer Jenkins asked after she had hesitated to give him an answer. Do you know how Justin ended up on the floor with his hands tied? Grace looked up at Officer Jenkins and replied, No, I have no idea how he got there. <laughs>